Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop dying, Mike. Stop dying. Stop stop dying, Mike. It's okay. Why are people dying so much? I'll stop dying. Oh, wait, then you're supposed to tell Bob you, stop dying. Have you noticed Same, people aren't right dying treatment. at the rate they were like two years ago? I've noticed that. Because um, I would hear like at least every two weeks like some client or former client or friend of a client or died. And I haven't been hearing that the last part of 2019. I just wasn't hearing it as much as I was before. Maybe all the people died who were going to die. I don't know. We've got, so we've got people in from Ohio right now. And there's and, people dying. Uh, there. It's just it's it's a mess. I mean, I'm still not dying? talking. Yeah, They're still dying in and, Ohio. And even even one guy who was like his his buddy since he was like four or five years old. So not just somebody he got loaded with, right? The guy he's been in treatment with us for a few weeks. His buddy overdosed, and his friends that were with him threw him in a dumpster. Oh. And. He, oh, yeah, that happens. And he died in the dumpster. He wasn't dead when he threw him in the dumpster. Oh, so they're charged now with like well, negligent that's, that's homicide right. or negligent manslaughter or something like that. They're, and because they didn't follow the Samaritan law. And good, I, gosh, I hate to yeah. open a, a podcast good, with good that. Good Samaritan law. Right. Yeah, so it's like, um, uh, so I. Do you I, know how the Good Samaritan law started? What is the Good Samaritan law? Good you can't Samaritan throw law. your OD'd friend in the dumpster. Yeah, well, you have a, you have a, uh, you you have a moral responsibility to the public good. So what happened in New York City in 1973 or 74? I think it was early 70s. A woman was raped, beaten, tortured, and murdered. And hundreds of people heard the, it. The wilding thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Not the wilding thing. Oh. This was in an apartment building. And okay. hundreds of people heard it and nobody called 911. Uh, nobody I called the police. That. This And so that's where the first Good Samaritan law came in New York City, that you have a moral responsibility when you hear something like that. Right? And then that continued through over to the drug epidemic. Is okay. You have a public... You can't just step over someone who's OD'd and died. You have a public good responsibility. And they supposedly, you know, I, I, I've, I've never tested it, but so if the cops show up, no one's going to jail. They're not going to take your dope. They're not going to run you for warrants. That's supposed LA, to be... In L.A., I don't know about Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either, but I know that it's just like one of those things where what do you say to somebody like that? You can't go... There's There's nothing positive you can possibly say other than... I'm glad you weren't still there because that could have been you. And this gets this gets to, you know, so I, I've noticed that the death rate maybe is declining. Maybe it's not declining in Ohio or West Virginia. We'll see. We'll see. West Virginia, I heard a story where, imagine, the girl was doing drugs with her boyfriend. He died. She called 911. Um, they arrested her and charged her with manslaughter for participating in the drug use of her boyfriend. She's grieving her oh love of her life, and she's arrested for some stupid thing. And what good is putting her in jail for five years or eight years or we're going to do? But, you know, then there's another side of it where the people would say, well, she's off drugs and she'll be safe and blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't really know what the solution to that is. And we can go down a rabbit's hole with all the sad stories of drugs in America. Yep. And we, But the good news is the 
Sackler family who started all this, their wealth is not going to be taken away from them. That was determined last week. How great is that? The Sacklers are going to get to keep their personal fortune and only Pfizer, their company, family company is held accountable for all of this. That was part of the backdoor deal with the Pfizer bankruptcy. Okay, so all that hard work. Oh, the Sacklers will keep their money. God bless them. God bless the Sacklers. Oh, goodness. Right? And they're all claiming innocent and they didn't know and it was the marketing team and blah, blah, blah. All the great excuses. Like, it's your Hmm. company. Here, if something goes wrong at Aloe, you can blame me. Right? And even if I didn't know about it, it's my company. I fucking... You knew or reasonably (laughs) should have known. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But but. But the Sacklers, they didn't know what was going on at Pfizer. They were there in New York City going to the MoCA opening and they didn't know. But if your taxes are wrong because your accountant... Was bad. Oh, the government will send you to jail because it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mike, so, stop making sense. Your yeah, facts yeah, are boring me again. Um, God <laughs> dang so, it. So, so, anyways, the the thing that's been going on in our lives, me and Mike's life, and we were just talking in the break, is this Salonius Monster album. The one thing I've learned, Chuck, in the last four months of trying to make this record is the failures and misery and anger and frustration that is always kind of identified in the chaos and the drugs that Thelonious Monster kind of represents had very little to do with me. <laughs> I used to and think drugs, it was all apparently. my fault. <laughs> I, think it had, drugs. I thought it was all my fault. Or Yeah, it's not even drugs' <laughs> fault. It's just the people involved in it. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It, some of the best stuff is that incendiary just because the people involved, that comes out what in the music. What is that? Why does it have to be like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> called Blame the Next Guy. <laughs> Okay. No, but but you know, it, it, the most no, contentious striving, relationships make some of the best music. No, but striving, no, but it was never anybody's fault in the band. It was always the next guy's fault. Well, mostly my it was, fault. It, Let's it, say, it, was, uh, it was Bob's fault. It was my fault. Most fifty percent right. of the time. I saw, I saw the movie, and it was Bob's fault, according <laughs> to the movie. One of the biggest assholes of all time, apparently, is my moniker. <laughs> so, so we've been That's, making this record, and me and Pete, the guys who fought the most, have been taking a back seat. And there's been nothing but <laughs> fraction and fighting and oh, taking charge and ill feelings and storming they out. They learned it from watching you, okay? <laughs> Did they? Did, is you, it modeling? You, you Are they and, modeling after me and Pete? You and Pete raised them wrong, and now the monsters come back to roost. Trauma. It's childhood trauma. It's it's band trauma. It's re, re-traumatizing. It's revivifying. So it'll probably be a great record. <laughs> Well, uh, the way it sounds now, I mean, I I try to get in there and get in arguments, and then I just lose my passion for it. Like you just saw over there, it's like, okay, Mike, I don't care, do it. It's it's chaos. It's chaos. I don't see how. I just when I look at Mike Ness, I'm like, that's the way to run a band. Right. <laughs> With like, the leader, I, I'm and in everybody charge. Falls. Yeah, I'm in charge. I don't care what you guys think. I love you. But I don't even want to hear what you have to say. Let's just go play. <laughs> we can discuss your opinions when the record's done. At the listening party. Really want to hear what you would have done. 
<laughs> because something about what I've been doing for 40 years has been working. <laughs> From mommy's little monsters to right now. <laughs> Colonel Sanders didn't good. listen to the listen to the boys on the field. They didn't go, you know what we should do with this chicken? No. no, no, no. <laughs> I figured he'd be like Foghorn like, no, 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 listen to so son. Everyone in Philly's monster is a leader. You got Martine wrote most of the songs. He's a leader. He's saying he's not being involved. He's saying, listen, just promise me, Bob, if it sucks, you're not we're not gonna put it out. And I said, Okay, yeah, that, that seems like good to me. I don't know how we determine whether it sucks or not. I would, I, is it need to be a uniform vote or is it the songwriter <laughs> I vote? Think it, it's <laughs> since it's a democracy, apparently, you do a majority vote. And then Mike, Mike and I, Mike and I have always had this play since Lonely Sponsor where the singer songwriter Americana kind of folky thing. That's Bob and Mike. Nobody gets involved with us with those types of songs, right? You could see that my grave is kept clean anymore. Um, there's just uh, uh, the Tracy Chapman song. Those are Bob and Mike. It's like we're not even in Thelonious Monster. It's Bob and Mike. Those are Bob and Mike's things. Hmm. I just talked to Mike about a song that is probably the best song in the album to me of he and I doing it and does he take control and he just play all the instruments and do it. He said, well, I don't want to do that. I want to play it. He wants to get into the arguments. <laughs> he wants to get into the arguing side of Thelonious Monster. Well, you know, it, you it's, did. it's an you American disease. It. Isn't it? <laughs> Thorny's monster is a disease. Oh. <laughs> it's called the cigar box song. The cigar box song is the best. It's my favorite song on the record. So, and it's the perfect Mike and Bob song. And Mike's like, no, but I want to play guitar on that. What's the name of the one that's just a uh, wobbly wobbly? You know, you know what? No, what funny. is the one that you just said you wanted to play guitar on? Uh, I like the one with the, the horns. With the horns, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to play on that? Mix it, Chris. That do you really want to argue with everybody to get your little guitar track? No. Let's start over. You know, you know, you know. You know what's funny is that you you guys could you could just record some other songs off off the cuff or whatever. But this, the whole idea of it. Whatever the band's favorite song is, is never the one that you have to play over and over and over again. No, there's one. That I'll tell you about songs through Thelonious Monster history. So, so much Stan like airing your dirty laundry right here. Oh, Mike doesn't <laughs> like that, being personal. So <laughs> I, I wrote Sammy Hager Weekend, I think in 1986 or 87, when me and Mike first met, before Stormy Weather. I used to play it all the time, and everybody tell me, shut up, save that for your solo <laughs> record, blah, blah, blah. And so I tried to bring it up. Up to do it on, on our second album next Saturday afternoon. Everybody's like, "That's not a song. That's for you to play at McCabe's. That's fucking not. <laughs> that's not a monster that's song. That's a busking song." So dude. then, like, we were short songs on stormy weather because i think a guy named mike mart was in charge of the record oh, mike we, were mart. Of, we were a little short of songs <laughs> like, <laughs> i wasn't in charge of anything john doe mixed that no i'm oh. talking about the songwriting part of it you didn't show up 90 percent of the time oh i was supposed to show up <laughs> Oh, I would say like I was in the garage hired. So we had like we had five solid songs, and then I had a piano song um, that ended up being an acoustic guitar song called "My Boy." And then we had we were always going to do "See That My Grave." We'd been doing that, and the only reason we weren't going to do "See That My Grave" on the record because Dream Syndicate had already started covering "See That My Grave Is Kept Clean," and we were doing it. Steve Wynn came to me and goes, "Are you guys doing "See That My Grave Is Kept Clean"?" 
And I said, yeah, it's a fucking great song. And we do it more like gun clubby rock, you know, yeah. not, oh, not yeah. like how you guys do it. He, they do it like all Bob Dylan-y. And he said, are you going to record that? Like, like cause he owned the song. The song was written by <laughs> Blind Lemon Jefferson in 1927. Mm, yeah. And he was like a mentor to me, and I looked up to him, and I remember coming home from his house thinking, we can't do See My Grave anymore. And Pete, I said, you know, we shouldn't do, we shouldn't do See My Grave because Dream Syndicate's doing See My Grave. Pete Weiss, quote, fuck Dream Syndicate. We're doing See My Grave. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> right on, Pete. <laughs> so... So and you and you wonder why you and Pete. So listen, heads. we didn't have enough songs, and so John Doe said, do "You really don't have any songs, do you, Bob?" And I go, "I got those songs." We and we were already in the studio recording the album, and we only had like thirteen days of tracking or something, and we didn't have thing. enough. Well, this is some tape when you had to cut the tape. Mm. right and so we didn't have enough songs so then john doe said what about your sammy hagar song and i go and then mike got on board mike was in a good mood he had a good amount of cocaine in him he was in <laughs> a <right>. good mood <laughs> and we recorded see that my grave and it ran out of tape remember mike yeah it ran out of tape on the outro so they so they turned just it turned around it around backwards we didn't have any it on. <laughs> and it goes backwards it goes backwards no. yes yeah. well, we yes it, we made it longer it made it made it three minutes and that that's funny. the song everybody wants to hear the one that i had for probably three years that everyone said that's a bullshit song it's a joke song keep it and then because we were short of songs for to make an album we recorded it on the last two minutes and 18 seconds of a, of a tape and it ran out of tape in the middle of singing the choruses so they looped the backing track yeah, what did you do, Mike? Mike and John Paul Doe did DeGray. it. Yeah, Paul DeGray did me, it. Paul DeGray and, and John Doe. They just cut tape. They just cut the tape and turn it around. And, and then I sang an outro over the top of that. Nice. So that's your that's your Black Sabbath paranoid. That's your Clash train in vain. That's your. We ran out of tape. But it was just like ah, oh, just <clears throat> fucking do it. Yeah. So now and then I faded, and then <clears throat> faded it out at the right right before the tape cut. <laughs> but I know for a fact this cigar box song, the one that I, I want Mike to just polish and yeah, and I'm gonna do, do it, that. That that's, not that's argue, the Sammy Hagar of this record. Ah, because it's about Elvis and Sid and the Claremont House and it childhood and Tom Waits and it's just like it's that thing that me and Mike do. It's just a super personal. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And you know the rock songs are the rock songs. Do you ever wonder when you're playing a rock song like? Do you really have to do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> it takes so much energy. <laughs> no, I, do you know how hard it is to sing one of those rock songs? No, I found out a, a couple singer, of weeks so. ago. That was fucking hard. Yeah, I, I envy people that can do it night after night. There's a Bicycle Thief song that has no breaks. It's singing the entire song called Max Jill Called. It's unbelievable to try to sing that song. When I was 35, I could, but I'm 59. Like, it's a little bit much to be singing. So I was thinking like... Can you cut a verse so that you have air? <laughs> like, you could. Yeah. You could. You can do whatever you want. They're your songs. 
so the newest stuff that's coming out that I I've gotten into is is the uh, lo-fi hip hop, uh, the what's it called, oh, SoundCloud no. hip hop. I became the expert because they're all dying of drugs and suicide and violence. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the L.A. Times and on TV talking about this but like generation, Juice World of, and yeah, Juice guys. World and Lil Peep and. Um, there's a third one that just died too. But but Mac Miller was part of that group. Mac Miller too. And then there was. Um, but there's a third one that just died recently. And Extension was murdered. Extension. Triple X. Tentacion. Tentacion. Right. So there's all these. So I become like this weird old dude that kind of knows about this music. And I'm kind of fascinated I, by that guy, 69, that, that ratted on everybody. Another one in, in jail right yeah, now? Yeah. That got signed for $3 million while he was in, while he's gonna, in prison. Come so, out that, that he was did all, you hear he's Chuck's... Always, he's, he's a cop. Did you hear Chuck's the jealousy in his oh, voice? Oh, no, that, right that is straight-up vitriol <laughs> and hatred for the music business. Because while he's locked up for being a rat, so he's not, you know, because just, it's because your sons are gonna stream his music. That's and, why. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna die a pauper's death, and I'm gonna be in a I'm gonna be burned <laughs> in a field because I'm not gonna be able to afford a. You just a, played a sold out show at the Regent Theater last weekend. What are you talking about? Was, how can you be that, broke? That was fun. And you filled out how many group sheets? <laughs> in between those Can shows. Can you imagine if you in had to document the shows, Chuck? No. How many group documents do you think you had to fill We out? should document the concerts. Nah, can't do it. They're, they're, all the quotes are the same. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> but there were a whole lot of people from my work at that, too. I think I took a picture with like eight or ten of us outside that were all from my work that came so up. So, what was Jack? So. In the advertisement, I didn't go, of course, because I I, re- I don't know if you know this. I really was never a punk rocker. I just kind of hung out that. with punk rockers. I really well, have I, never I had that. great respect for punk rock music other than Black Flag, really. Like, I think Rise Above and Nervous Breakdown are two of the greatest songs of a generation. But for the most part, I wasn't one of those Channel 3... Right, uh, Beach Boulevard punk rock guys. I was more like Dream Syndicate... Los Lobos, who I saw Los Lobos on New Year's Eve. Did I tell yeah, you yeah, wait, wait, wait. You're, you're not lumping yourself in with Los Lobos, are you? <laughs> no, that I like that music. Oh, okay. I'm not saying Because you that. were straight up like nerd rock and Boy George no, I'm back not, when th- I met you. Yeah, I like nerd rock, too. I like Talking Heads. I'm one of the Talking yes, Heads. Yes, who does Right? Yeah. So... So, but I was never, but I was never like a Cathay de Grand bonafide punk rocker. When ever. it was really dangerous, you weren't out in the and middle I of it. I was, I never, I never was anywhere that there was anything going on other than drugs, drinking, girls, and okay. fun, right? I remember I did a show because I booked shows. I booked a show by millions of dead cops at MDC. Mm-hmm. And I had made a flyer. I think Pleasant had helped me make a flyer that had like a sexy girl picture on it. And they were going to beat me up because that was misogynist. So woke culture has been going on a lot longer than we think. <laughs> is that woke or is it That's fascist? What <laughs> <laughs> well, ask yourself that nowadays, <laughs> right? Right. So, so I was never like MDC. Like the only, but I had these punk rock friendships with like with like the DOA guys because. Because the drummer, Joey, Joey, Joey and the drummer of DOA would stay at my house. I, my house was like a punk rock central, but I wasn't really a punk rocker because, you know, my house was drugs. 
Drug, drugs and punk rock are kind of synonymous. Well, you know, yeah. You don't have to get all dressed up with a mohawk and go jump in the pit to be a... No, you... you no, I mean... Not, so, but. so I don't really know. In the advertisement for TSOL, and I saw TSOL at the Cuckoo's Nest, and the Dance With Me, they have an album called Dance With Me, right? First when record, they, When yeah. they went kind of goth. Were they kind of goth? No, Dance With Me was the first record. Beneath the Shadows went a little bit more... Like, What's the graveyard covered record? That, that's Dance with Me. Yeah, that's uh, that the Code good, Blue and the Triangle. That and had all those some songs. good songs on it. Yeah. So in the advertisement, they're saying they're going to play their early songs that no one's ever. They've never played live before. How could they never play those songs live? Those are the only songs they had. Back well, then. you know, when I was talking to Jack, he that goes, was a lie on the flyer. Wasn't he goes, it? well, no. What it was is they go, we haven't played these songs since, since the Cuckoo's since Nest. like nineteen eighty three. And no, that Cuckoo's Nest was 80, 80, 79, 80, 81. Right, but but the songs that they were that they were pulling out for this show because it's a forty year anniversary show. He goes, we haven't played these songs since like nineteen eighty three, and when we started playing them, we figured out why. <laughs> because they're they're either hard to do or they just don't work. You know how when you're when you're coming together as a band, the first few things are rough, and some people love that stuff, but as you progress band style change you can you can maintain like some signature you know i was a part of the the regression of tsol when jack was out and joe wood was a singer they the first big thelonious monster tour was thelonious monster opening tsol in the middle chili peppers headlining we played small clubs right the first time we get to new york city we're playing a pretty big place called irving plaza i think and we had gotten there first. The Monster Van got there first, and we were just waiting, you know, because you just go to the gig. You have no motel. You have no place to stay. You got to stay at friends' houses. <clears throat> so we're just sitting out in front waiting for everyone else to get there. And TSOL got there. And Roach and, and Ron got out of their van and just started walking east. And I was like, because I kind of looked up to those guys. I was like, where are you guys going? And I was like, wait, we had been waiting like an hour and a half for anybody to get there. Because <laughs> we've got like $46 to all six of us name. And I was like, where are you guys going? And they were like, you know, we're just going to visit a friend. And I was like, oh, I want to go. You know, like, I, because I, they had money. TSOL guys had money. I don't know how. I think Roach had like a t-shirt company or something. Where they had money and I, I didn't. So I would tag along with them. And they went and copped heroin. And yeah. that's the first Mike time I copped always, heroin. Mike, Mike Roach was always an entrepreneur. He had the electric yeah, he had chair money. on he had, he had money, Roach. And so I was just followed them. And they, I walked, And that was the first time in 1985 or 84 that I saw heroin be scored on the street. And I was just like... Yes. I love these guys. <laughs> I love these guys. Freaking Mike Roach cracks me up. I, I'm not going to correct him because I think I know he thinks I'm someone else. Because <laughs> because when when we saw him at the Surf City Blitz, he told Bug, he goes, "Your dad's the reason I do what I do." And I, really? Amy's like, "What does that mean?" Sober? And I go, "Be sober, I go, maybe." I, I don't. I have no idea what he's talking about. And then on this Saturday, because we we played right before him. So before we before we played, we went over and I was saying, "Hey man, you know, break a leg, whatever. Hey, I hope you have a great show and all that stuff." And what he goes, band is for? What band is before TSO? No, nothing. So I I couldn't figure out. You what would it have was. to be in Fogat. I know. And then <laughs> and and I'm and I'm like ten years younger than all those guys. And and then who does he think you are? I don't know, but I must look like somebody that he liked at one point in time. Well, there was a big band, Mike. Remember the band in Huntington Beach called Tut. 
Wasn't there what what was the band that had the double kick drum that played at the surf theater? What were they called? Uh shit. There was a band that maybe you look like one of the guys. Like when I don't we were know, like but sixteen. He goes, I, I walk in there and I go, uh, I go, man, that was it was great the last I saw I saw something that they did and I go, That was cool what you did that other time with this and he goes, Man, that means a lot coming from you. And what I go, does that and, I go mean? and I go I go, Thanks. And the guy he, I was with He the, definitely thinks you're somebody uh, yeah, that you're not. The guy yeah, I was with funny, goes, yeah. Why does he care what you think? Because yeah. I work with this guy and I go I'm trying to think, go, think of I, who who does Chuck look like that I, might I, I look like Kevin same. Spacey. I look like a like like Kevin <laughs> no, Spacey's like, special no, needs brother. You look like the other guy. You do look like the actor guy, the other guy, the the dances with wolves. Kevin Costner. <laughs> you look like Kevin Costner. <laughs> I don't know. Tatanka. Tatanka. No, not not in Dance with Wolves. More like later, <laughs> like Waterworld. You know something really bad. <laughs> it's like but that baseball movie. There's no band. Like who were the bands before TSL? Maybe Mike? maybe it's a sobriety I thing. I don't no. know how long. I think he's been sober longer than me too. The crowd. The crowd was he before has. He's sober for a long time. Yeah, I'm only 22 years. The crowd sober before. TSO, uh, I mean, the crowd was punk rock before TSOL, right? Well, because so Vicious Circle happened. Who's in that. the crowd? Decker and his brother. Do you look like his no, brother? No, Jimmy and Jimmy and and Jay. I don't look like Do either look of them, like- and we're all friends. We all know each. That's one of those things where if the crowd TSOL and Smut Peddlers played together, we wouldn't even really need much of a guest list because that's who we want to come to our shows. <laughs> but who who is he mistaken for? We got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, yeah I just don't want to ruin it because it's nice. <laughs> because it's, he's so nice. It's to been you? going. For like a year, year and a half. Hey, you should, start, hey, Chuck, you should start going. Yeah, yeah, you're doing good, man. I'm really yeah, proud of you. I'm, I'm really proud you, of you, Rhodes. <laughs> it's just Keep so up cool. The good work. No, but let's get back to why. Why did Mike? Why did the TSOL guys always have money? Uh, they don't. Mike, That's Mike why they're Roach playing. Was always, always in the dough, man. I mean, that guy. You know, he, Mike. You, Mike Mart used to latch onto Mike Roach. Well, trust me, because well, he's not he, from money, so he found a way to make it. No, man, he's just always been a hustler, man. That dude is a hustler. He had the electric chair on that that he opened. What's the electric on? chair? What is Sunline that? electric chair was a punk store, rock thing. A punk rock clothing store. How could that guy run a clothing store? He owned a tattoo parlor. <laughs> I think he owns one now. In Vegas, you're kidding. I think no, he's part. No, no. no he's, he's, he worked he's at the, the Hart Huntington thing, and he worked with Mark Mahoney at uh, Shamrock so Social anyways, Club. So, I love, Ron, I love Ron, being, Ron Emery has a music conservatory in Idaho, right? Old, I know, Idaho. and he restores old Nutra houses. Yeah, Ron he's Emery, amazing. Yeah, so those guys for, really don't have to play music. I, I, but I, I know they love it, and I know they put together at least three dates at a time because they got people in different states. You know, so they got to pull people together. So, so they do. At least, but this last year, man, they went to Japan. They went to Australia. They went. To, they did Europe. They. Uh, I mean, and so it's like. So it's TSOL and Social Distortion's forty-year anniversary this year, right? So mm-hmm. that means they started in seventy-nine. Eighty. Eighty. Yeah. Well, it's a bunch t- of bands. Forty years. <clears throat> yeah. What I'm waiting for. Guess what's coming up. In not too far away, and I'm thinking if you don't die, Chuck, we're gonna all make it. Uh, in twenty, in <laughs> twenty, in 2027, it will be the fiftieth anniversary of Black Flag. How crazy is that? <laughs> that How is, crazy is that? Nuts. And you know, 
The Clash took that moniker, which Lester Bangs kind of gave them, which is the only band that matters. In L.A., the only band that mattered is Black Flag. In the long run, they they were so groundbreaking musically, so trailblazing uh, in touring and DIY. Black Flag, and I noticed that a lot of you Orange County punks never talk about Black Flag. Be, is it because it kind of got became a heavy metal band and discombobulated and a million people coming and going? Because I'm telling you, I saw Black Flag... It was the greatest punk rock band that ever lived. Okay, so that's another one of those things where, um, at least for me, you've got like three or four, maybe five years of just insane goodness. And then you've got a whole With lot Rise of Rise Above, when Damaged came out. Damaged, uh, Milltown, um, Jealous again. Um, th- there was good stuff. Uh, there, w- there was a lot of good stuff, but then it just it kind of died out. So for something to remain kind of relevant... It kind of has to keep going. So they going. shouldn't have. But there's a lot of bands that shouldn't have kept going at all. Black Flag shouldn't have kept going. No, well. You know what I was offended by? And Mike Mart was a part of it. Slip It In. I thought it was the most disgusting song. I thought it was really wrong to do. Really? Yeah, see, Mike loved it because he was no, there. When, he was there when they recorded it. Uh. That was I the was that the nun cover? Weren't you? That was the nun no. cover, right? No, no. You had wasn't somebody you were involved in a relationship on that record? Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. His girlfriend's the singer on it. <laughs> okay. How could he? How could you forget that? Uh, yeah, when but you, I mean, you know. when you heard "Slip It In," what did you think, Mike? That's your girlfriend. I thought of shooting dope. Nope. Flip it in, man. That's that, it. Great song. That's uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a great song. It's it just that that they just yeah they went too far in directions. But I'm telling you, I saw one of the first gigs Henry played. Nobody knew who he was. Des didn't move to guitar initially. Des was just out as the singer. Okay. He came back later as as a second guitar player. But it was. Chuck Dukowski, Greg Ginn, Robo, and Henry Rollins at the Cafe de Grand. It's still, I can still, Henry came right up to me because there was no, no stage and no dance floor. And there was only like 50 people there. He came right up to me and was screaming that thing, holding just like really two feet from my face. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't need this guy. What maybe, this maybe, maybe, maybe that's a big part of it because for purists, that's not even... You know, for rise some people, it's, for some people, it's got to be. When you got Henry Rollins screaming uh, "Rise Above" two feet from your face, it's pretty intense. It's a memory you'll never get over. Oh no, yeah, and and you know he's taken he's taken a lot of flack. And why? Why does he get uh, people? People give Henry such a hard time because Greg, because Greg said that Henry was never really a part of it. That that the war Dude, was over before he came uh, along, and that. He, he, you know, it's because there's so much revisionist. Everybody has a different take on what happened when it happened. I mean, you look at how many different stories and sides of the story. Have you ever tried to talk to? I've tried to talk to Chuck Tukowski about Black Flag. He doesn't. I don't think he even remembers being in it. Like he talks in such I, I, vague, existential, <laughs> philosophical ways. When, I'm like, but yeah, but it was just the greatest thing. Why can't you just get that band back together and just fucking do that? Well, Flag is really good. I haven't seen Flag. They always play too late for me. <laughs> I went to punk rock bowling. That's every to, band. Right? I know every it's band. after eight. <laughs> no, but you know, you know who really knows this shit about punk rock? The older bands from England. They always say we're playing at seven fifteen. 
at punk rock bowl. <laughs> the, the dumber bands that are kind of discombobulated, they're always playing at 10 o'clock. And if you get to punk rock bowling like at three to see the selector, and then you're waiting around to see the damned at 7.15 or the weirdos, there's no way you're staying till 10. No way. If you know who those bands are, you're not, if you get there at three, you're not staying till 10, unless you're on drugs. And I'm not on drugs. <laughs> Every time I've gone to punk rock bowling, I'm back at the hotel by 9.23. I've never been to punk rock bowling. You've never been? Mike, never. have you been? Nope. Oh, it looks, we got to go look, to punk looks, rock bowling. I've never been. We got to go. Circle jerks are you know, playing. Here's, Circle jerks are oh, playing. Oh, let's go to I that. I would love to let's see that. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. That's in April, I think. Or when is it? Yeah. It's just, it just so we're all so driving together, Bob. I'm bumming a ride with you. Bumming a ride. Okay. So here's the funny thing about, like, and Chuck, I have to say you're kind of guilty of this, is that, like, the stuff that you know about punk rock, you read. <laughs> You've read about it. Like, it's weird. Like, I could, sort of, I could sort of care less about, like, the older punk rock, like, what, the facts and stuff like that. You don't, you don't like Black Flag? You saw Black Flag. It was the greatest band that ever lived. No, I wasn't trying to insult no, you, Chuck, no, either. But, I no, swear. but, but well, I'm well, saying that you're, you a young, you're a younger... Oh, I didn't no, you're just to. going down a rabbit hole. Stay focused. Is Black Flag the greatest punk rock no. band you ever saw? Are who, you kidding who me? Was? You know, who, who was? Who was? The Germs, I, I, of course. The I never germs. saw the, the germs. germs. were the best punk rock band and then of other all pe- time. And other people think it's the Damned. Then other people think, so it's a matter of taste. But it the, comes ba- down the to Damned taste. are still alive. How could they be that great? <laughs> you know, they, fucking Germs were so Come good, on. Darby Crash killed himself. That's how fucking good they were. I see a direct comparisons of different music movements where there's these parallel bands. I think the the germs kind of are the same thing as Nirvana, and it's weird that they have a member that crosses that way. The okay. germs, the way people talk about the germs and the way people talk about Nirvana is very similar. Nobody really saw them. It's kind of forgotten, but the legend of Darby and Kurt live on beyond the music. It's I not, saw the I agree a that it's not. I agree that it's not about music, but 99% of the people that like music didn't see the germs, right? Well, no. that might be true. Yeah. Almost know. everybody that listens to the germs today didn't see the germs. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, and I believe Hence most, my point. I believe really? all the people that listen to Nirvana never saw Nirvana. I mean, because I can't imagine. You know, no, ten million people didn't see Nirvana. You know, no, yeah. but but I can't imagine they're still listening to it thirty years later. It's it's kind of not, not something a fifty year old person's going to put on and listen to, is it? It. I like it when it pops up. Not so much the Nevermind stuff, but the In Utero and the uh, Incesticide and uh, they just Bleach. played. You know, Nirvana just played two nights ago. I saw that there was a How gathering of the surviving members. Did you members. see that, Mike? No. Nirvana played. It was Pat, Chris, uh, Dave Grawl, Beck, St. Vincent, the girl, playing guitars, and then different singers. And Dave Grawl's daughter sang, um, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, Heart-shaped box. Heart-shaped it was box. so wow. great. The, and I wondered, see, I and I wondered like, what does Dave tell her? About this guy that she, he was in a band with. I saw them debut Heart Shaped Box down in Brazil. Right. But, but think about a 14-year-old girl who she was born how many years after he died? Well, he died? He died in 94, right? 94. So, yeah, she was born 18 years after he died. Mm. And her dad was the drummer in the band. She somehow hears the music. She sang that song with all her heart. It was amazing. 
But what was she? I keep I watch it on video over and over again. Like, what is she thinking? What what? I Especially that kinda, song. It's got strange words. I kind of know Pat enough to know what he's thinking. This is just fun and whatever, mm -hmm. and he doesn't like to make a big deal out of it. The Chris guy is just, I think, probably thinking I can still play bass. This is amazing. People want to see me. <laughs> and but but to have your daughter singing. The guy in your band song that was just a heavy thing, and I I don't think I don't even think people realize heavy things when they happen anymore, right? I think they were more excited when a celebrity came out and sang a song than Dave's daughter singing this beautiful version of his band song that the guy died of drugs. Like it was just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's uh, it. What is. do you tell your daughter? Like I I I. I know I told Elvis about, uh, it came up uh, about guys that were in my band that died. And I told him about Rob Graves and I told him about Bill Stobow. And he kind of gets it that they died because he thinks smoking cigarettes is really bad. He said they smoke cigarettes. I said, oh, yeah, oh, you, oh betcha. you betcha. Oh, you betcha your sweet bippy. <laughs> no, I don't think Stobow did smoke cigarettes. Well, he did now. <laughs> That's obviously why but, he's not here. But you have this multi-generational thing now where your friends died of drugs. How do you tell your little children? Like if Bug asks you, hey, you know, why did Kurt Cobain die? What do you say? Oh, it's weird because he wants to know this stuff all the time. Because like we watch um, David Bowie videos. Well, David, David Bowie's, Bowie's dead. easy to explain. Prince is That's dead. Easy to, Tom well, Petty's dead. Um, a lot of the stuff that he likes... Are dead people. Are, are, are dead people. But I just got footage while we were sitting waiting to record this of him playing drum, drums and uh, singing uh, some Elvis Costello. So I thought that was cool because at least he's still alive. But mostly he goes, why Why are they dead? And I said, they lived long lives and they died. Most of them. I mean, even Prince. But, what, but, but if, he asks, if he gets into Nirvana here in the next year and he says, why did Kurt Cobain die? What do you say? Oh, uh, because... I don't know that he'd really understand that yet because of his learning disability. I don't think he'd get it. I don't the way think you... no, I don't even think his learning disability. I don't think Elvis understands that you die of drugs. I don't think he knows what it means. Right? Cuz I've kind of tried to be blunt about it. Well, people do too much drugs and they die sometimes, Elvis, and he it doesn't connect. Yeah. He doesn't understand that. Well, and the idea of death being forever doesn't really connect. You know, it's like it takes time. That's a big it's a big concept. It's a simple concept, but it's big. But it's heavy, like, and and I think about all the great musicians I love, like, most of them are dead, like Bug. Most of my favorite, Tom Petty, oh my God. I listen to that Wildflowers record, so great. Echo, that album, a lot of the albums he made with Rick Rubin are so good and nobody heard them because they didn't have pop hits on them. Yeah. Well. They were so good. Mike, you know those records, Wildflowers and Echo? Yeah, the same sad little, yeah, echo wings. Yeah. What was the what was the record he made for the movie that was so good? Oh, I'm the one, or she's the one. She's the one. Yeah, he's oh. so God. He was none so of that's on the radio, good. but it's so good, right? And you know, people forget about Springsteen. Like Springsteen was so fucking good, you know. But he's alive at least, but kind of not, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> See, that's one of those things. There are certain people that you know, they become not alive, but they're not dead. It doesn't but, seem like Bruce Springsteen's a human being, does I, it? I think I think Mike had a great point. Like with the punk rock, it was so explosive and so incendiary that it almost makes sense that they die. It almost fits because the anger and the volatility and everything's right there that 
if Darby hadn't died, he probably would have just he'd be he'd be Johnny Rotten. He'd just be a mess, probably. He'd be Johnny somewhere, Rotten, you know. And I kind of think. He, have you seen Johnny Rotten yeah, lately? Yeah, well, he lost weight it's again, disgusting. so he's not, he's not that what? big anymore. He's disgusting. Oh, he he's, weight? he's not that big anymore. That from that, but he's his attitude, his whole thing. Every, I mean, even hey, he, he was always he was always disgusting. You I just know, agreed know, with him I back know, then. I know, but you, yeah, every, you know, you've read no blacks, no Irish, no no uh, dogs. I no read dogs. some of it. it was, yeah, but I, you know, I, but he's a trumper, isn't he? He's always had this kind of disgusting attitude towards you know people who are Trumpers. There's a lot just, of Trumpers. That's all I think. I mean, I just think that there's a lot of uh, sometimes subversive Trumpers. Morrissey's a Trumper. Johnny Rotten's a Trumper. I'm not going to say there's some other people that I know for a fact. Like they don't necessarily. They're not supporting Trump, or they're not a cult. They're not. Of, they're, not adding, they're not. A, they're not they're throwing not money a, at him. They're not a or wearing cult. The hats. Of, they're not a cult of Trump. But they really do like what he's doing. And I've started, and I've had some deep conversations with some musician friends of mine, and they just see it as theater. And, and one of my friends over the holidays, we were talking deeply about Trump and all what's going on in society, and he was like, he's one of these more measured philosophical guys. And he said, we really think it's that different. This is always there. Everybody's just hyper-focused on it now. America's a racist country. America is a violent country. America is an imperialistic, militaristic pig country. We've murdered children for 50 years in 100 different countries. Who do you think we are, really? Just Obama made you believe we're something that we're not. <laughs> That's what he said. And I realized when he said it, Obama made you believe we're something that we're not. That's the truth of it. Huh. And you'll hear, I, oh, I, we're good, we're good. We're going to go kill Iranian babies in about two months. That's, that's, that's what America is. And everybody's going to clap. We're number one. You know, that's, we're number one. It's funny. And punk rock used to not be scared of saying shit like what I'm saying. And now everybody's cowardice to go up against a military industrial complex and say, what, really, Iran now? Iran? It was Iraq, then Afghanistan, then then Syria. Iran, now Iraq, it's Iran, Iraq, 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 Iraq. Why Iraq, not Iraq, Saudi Iraq, Arabia? Iraq. Seems never to be Saudi Arabia. It's Libya. How come never Saudi Arabia? I don't know why. Because they they're in bed with the bushes and everybody. There else. you go. You know, and so Bing, 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 Bing. Follow the money, baby. But but what happened to that punk rock ethos is what this friend of mine was saying. If we're truly punk rock. Like, you really want to believe America is this fantasy land? America is a racist institutional imprisonment for black and brown people? What, did that change in the last 20 years somehow? Is, it hasn't changed, but the, the, but mentality, I, the mentality of Trump and his... He's um, just putting it in your face saying, this is who we are. Put, and people don't like it, and it's a reaction to themselves probably more than anything. Right. That's why I like that's no. that that show, Court Justice, that we were talking about before. Just the difference in the way of the the thinking of the Australian people. Like uh, at the show on Saturday night, uh, Monkey from the Attics was there. Yeah. And uh, is that the singer guy? Yeah. Did he have his makeup on? No, he didn't. But but it was one of those things where it's like I I saw him and I go. Dude, I got to have a fanboy moment. I go, I used to draw you on my peaches. I yeah, go, but if he doesn't have the face paint on, I go, you're not going to know who he no, is. No, I totally knew who he was. And I go, saw you with Peter and the Test Tube Babies at the Olympic. And he goes, he's like Keith. He goes, 1983. 
And I go, okay, could have been 83, could have been 82, could have been 84, I don't know. And he goes, that was definitely 83. And then I go, what's wrong? Because there was something just a little off with him. And he goes, a friend of mine just died today. And, you know, I told people I'd be here tonight and I didn't want to sit at home and just get bummed out. And he goes, and Australia's burning to the fucking ground. And we're about to go into World War Three. It hasn't been a great start for 2020. <laughs> and, I go, <laughs> and I go, I agree with all those things. And I go, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear all that. But and, do you want to live in a fantasy land that that's not true? No. I think, but, Obama, I think Obama and the feel-good atmosphere of Obama made everyone think for eight years that America had really changed. I can tell you, every, every time Obama talked... I felt better when he was done. Every time, just every time, I but know, but but it was talk. very, it was very reassuring. It was very fatherly. It was very loving and very nurturing. It's always been out in the open that administrations can't really change much. All they can do is have compassion and speak compassionately about things and intelligently about change. There's none of that with fucking Trump, dude. I don't think you give him credit. You're, you're saying, you're saying like, oh, he's just talking reality. This place is no. fucked up. There's somebody's job to give people hope. Is that not fucking part of it? Here's the hope. Let's get out of these foreign wars. Let's get out of Syria. No, let's get rid of this fucking jerk off. Get out <laughs> that's of the hope we but have. But we never get out. Do you see, see how, how that's animated changed? Mike is? Right. See how passionate I, he is? I don't like to talk about it much, but he's not If the you problem. could disappear Trump, the problems don't disappear. The problems, That's the problem. And the problem in this country is a military-industrial complex. In 1960, Dwight D. Eisenhower told the nation, we need to disassemble this military-industrial complex. This is ridiculous to have war without end, war for profit, war for business. This is evil. Dwight Eisenhower said that. Right. And He's we've giving had, people hope. We've had war ever since. Because administrations can't change people. No, because the, you, but they, they can to, give them hope to try and change. There's the, no hope. Go be a black person in prison for life because you dealt cocaine I, I, and I, try to have some hope, Mike. L- listen, you know, don't <laughs> I didn't go see, be a black no, person. No, but I didn't see Obama <laughs> go and pardon all those people that were unjustly. A, I don't a, think a, administrations can do much to change. Do, all hey, they can do Kim is, Kardashian is doing that shit. She's doing that shit. <laughs> Kim Kardashian. That is weird. That's the truth of it. Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump got a person off of, uh, right? Isn't yeah. that true? How much, are we on acid right now? I'm How crazy is that? But Barack Obama and his, and his uh, attorney general couldn't pardon all the people from the Rockefeller Act? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not a big fan of Obama. Yes, he's great, and he reassures. He's, he gives he gives great speeches. They, they are he good. gives great speeches. Yeah. But in fact, he he created drone warfare that's killed thousands of innocent civilians all across the Middle East. He decided, let's try to figure. We can't get out of war because military warfare was a was a technology that was coming up and being developed. Whether he, he liked escalated. it or fucking not, he escalated it. You're going to say, okay, you're going to say that, that Obama didn't kill the, the children in Syria at the, at the, at the one leader's house, right? You're going to say it wasn't Obama. He didn't have anything to do with it. It's the military. But when Trump kills the head of this Iranian army, that's Trump. He's a scumbag. He's a, you know what I mean? It's Dude, a double standard. you have standard. an election coming up. What does, what Trump's does. Trump's going to get reelected. Because, because he's going to start a war. 
No, because that, people that's an, like that's him. That's an old playbook, though. People it's in LA old. don't. People in LA don't like him. People are fearful of their lives of saying they like the shit that he's causing. I don't think anybody doesn't like the economy, and they always give credit to Obama for the economy. It can't be that Trump had something to do with it. Mm. It's all well. This started under Obama. Lots of times, economies were given to to presidents, and they went in the toilet for the decisions they made. Even right. if Trump inherited a good economy, he's made it better. Everybody's got jobs. There's yeah. money all we'll, over the place. We'll Lo- see. See, Mike just doesn't like him, and just I don't like him either. I think it's a, but yeah, I think you're, he's you're a, exactly right. I think he's a symptom. Of an ill society, I think he's a symptom of a military-industrial complex that controls this so country. Let's make him president and fucking put him in charge. Well, I mean, I if mean, it's not know, what him, what kind of a fucking mentality? If it's it? not him, we invaded Iraq for no reason, Mike. It We've seems like you're forgetting. Wars. We've always had wars. <laughs> I can't. We no. I don't think anybody can change that. It is an industrial military I think, complex. I think there are what, people that is can there change any that. Question about that? how many wars were under Bill Clinton? You can't. How many wars and invasions were under Bill Clinton? Zero. Zero. Because he compromised and he said, listen, I'll build your military, I'll fund you, I'll give you whatever amount of money, you're, but we're not going Clinton into... Clinton was a rocking president, man. He, he really was, was a great office, president. man, just smoking cigars, and you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to go there, doesn't you know, it? And here's the thing. So Obama was very... He's, he is true. I cried at many of his speeches. He makes you have hope, but it's all just a speech. Dude, you and I cried it's when all, we shook fucking Jesse Jackson's all, hand it's all and handed speech. him a tape in but San listen, Francisco. Yeah, but listen. What has Clinton, happened to you? Clinton <laughs> Clinton used to bore everyone in the room to sleep because he would give those State of the Unions that go on for like uh, an hour and 45 minutes. He was not minutes. a good talker. Not <laughs> a good talker. <laughs> but he would never, he wasn't a good talker and he just talked forever. Like it was crazy. Yeah, but, but he I, had to I draw that just kind of went on and on and, and on. And you know, yep. y'all got it. In my <laughs> lifetime, the closest to what I hope America to be was under Clinton no wars, no invasions. Um, a good economy, a fair kind of leveling out of uh, balancing of the budget, right? And and he is demonized by the fifty percent of this country that love Clinton, uh, love Trump. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm done demonizing Trump. Trump is a symptom. He'll probably get reelected not because of war, because people will vote for him. Because I I just I just think that I'm not going to vote most likely. I can't find uh, anybody. Mayor Pete, I like, but I don't think he'll make it. And does I think, war make a president popular? No, it no, does. But, but you can't. It does. But you can't remove somebody from office during conflict, though. That's that's the reason it happened with. Um, that's the reason they all do it. That's why it's a. That's why it's in a playbook, and it's not an original thought. The well, idea is. When did the Iraq invasion was in two thousand three? So it took. It took. Bush, yeah, Bush waited till the third year of his term to get the war going. He could have started right at nine eleven. Right. Well, let's well let's see because then we we know we've got what other election. but what other wars? Um, Lyndon Johnson resigned rather than run for reelection in the middle of the Vietnam War, sixty eight. That's how Nixon became president. Do you know that? No. So Lyndon Johnson, here's a, here's an interesting take. If there's a rule of the vice presidency. If the president is killed or impeached in the first two years of their term, the vice president will serve out that term and is entitled to two more terms. Nice. Right? So Lyndon Johnson could have been president for 10 years. In, in 68, 
when he saw Walter Cronkite on the news say this Vietnam War is going nowhere, it's unjust, and he said, if I've lost Cronkite, I've lost the, the, the battle for American hearts and minds. And then eventually he didn't run for a re-election in 68. That's what led to this weirdo Nixon from the 50s and 60s who couldn't get elected. He, he, you know, he was legendary for sweating like to death on television. Do you know that mm -hmm. story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was running for president against Kennedy. So Nixon comes along because the Democrats were... All sweaty dick. Yeah, sweaty dick. He was all sweaty dick. <laughs> That's what he would have been today had he been running against Trump. Oh, you really want sweaty dick and sleepy Joe? And <laughs> sleepy Joe and sweaty dick. That's my new band. Why Why on the left can't you just label him? He's a fucking con man, bullshit artist. There's nothing worse you can call him than Trump. <laughs> You, know, you can't add insult to that. If but, I said, dude, you're such a Trump, you'd be like, fuck you. Call me anything but Trump or fat. But Chuck, I will be in Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe. I'll be, I'll be, be, I'll be sweaty. Did you see how passionate dick. Mike got about Obama? I just, I loved Obama, man. See, but that, that's, fucking loved him. that's a good, a good leader inspires the hearts, right? So that, so that we can, to, so we can not, fog the intellectual yeah, to, because love when we love somebody, we see past their faults, right? No, I think that you can. It, here's, I, I just made a decision in life. I don't really, you don't really, I don't feel, feel the American people have any say in our government. I, I think it's all a charade and a joke. I think it's been a charade and a joke since the 60s. It's just a charade least, and a joke. It's least. just to make you feel good. The reason why Bush W., who's kind of was an incompoop and not a very good candidate, won was because people felt like he was a guy they could have a beer with. Right. Right. And a, or a line. The reason why Clinton got elected in 92 was he was a guy who came up with the slogan. Actually, James Carville came up with the slogan. It's the economy, stupid. We were in the middle of a long kind of recession-y type system. And this young, fresh person was going to change the economy. And Bush looked old. Bush Sr. looked mm -hmm. old and out of touch. Right. reason why Bush Sr. lost was they had him doing a photo op at a supermarket and he didn't even know what the price of a carton of milk was and he was like oh my god three dollars that's a lot it used to be like 29 cents he said something like that because yeah. he hadn't been in a supermarket in he's like out of 40 touch. years and clinton seemed like this guy that eats at mcdonald's and he's a normal guy and he wants to get the economy going so the economy and and you know, have a beer with the guy, likability, seems like a good guy, he's smart, he's compassionate. Play it's all saxophone. just a con. The country just, the country runs on its own. Mike runs was right. It's it runs, the military runs on its own, the economy runs on its own. Right? But each president has a legacy, right? Like the Clintons took on the big tobacco. And guess what? Fucking, we don't have to sit in restaurants, man, while other people fucking smoke. Unless you live in Vin, uh, uh, I mean, Kentucky. the Surgeon General in the 60s put this could cause okay, death on the back. Okay, but they took it on. They okay, they took <laughs> it on. Did you ever see the one? Okay, so, 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 so Obama takes on health insurance. You know, America is also this illusion of happiness is somewhere around the corner. And you and I, the three of us live in happiness is today. Right now, yeah. Happiness is right now. If you don't have it right now, you're not going to have it 20 years from now when you cash out for $580,000 of You mean there's people money. that think about the future and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Financially? You, you know. You, if, if why, why are so many people living from paycheck to paycheck then? Because they think they're going to be rich someday. 
There's the lottery, Mike. There's Duh. A, no, it's a 401k. Right, I right. Got, I didn't know much about 401k. I was at Los Encinas. I was at Los Encinas, and this this kid that worked there goes, Bob, do you do the matching 401k? And I was like, I don't like going to sign up for shit. And he goes, no, it's really good. They have a 100% compensation. Like and up I was to 6% like, or something? No. If you put $100 in, they matched it. Oh, see. That's a How good one. fucking amazing is that? That's a that's an old hospital standard. So if I put a hundred dollars in, Los Encinas put a hundred dollars in for me, and then I had two hundred dollars, and then the, that got invested, and then someday I would, when I cashed it out, it was like forty six hundred dollars, which you know to me in two thousand ten, forty six hundred dollars. Wait a, a minute, aren't you supposed to keep a four hundred one k for no, the rest you, of your life? You just have to pay the taxes on it when you cash it out. I had one and I <laughs> so cashed it out. So you Bob. So Bob doubles his money and then he pulls it out. Yeah, you can double your money. You can cash out when they fire you. So yeah. how did you do it? You cash that's it out when you got. That's what I did, and I, yeah. I paid the penalties. My, Chuck paid it too for yeah, Chuck. How much did you double get? My money. Yeah, I don't even remember. It wasn't that much. It was. It was. Uh, I don't know. Two thousand. It was a little bit more than that. It was enough to be able to to be able to get my head out of where I needed it to be. Because I, I would work for like a year at a time, and it was one of those things where after... So after, no after you guys love Trump so much. <laughs> I don't love Trump. God Jesus. damn it. Is that what you you're going to take away? You know what? You can call. You can say a lot of things, Mike. <laughs> God damn it, Mike Mart. He just called us all I, lovers. All I know is I remember the night that I that, of the election... And I was driving up the 605 freeway from the 405 because I'd been at a meeting in Orange County with all those Orange County idiots on rehab. And I, <laughs> I heard Florida called for Trump. And I called Chrissy and I said, Trump's going to win. And she goes, no fucking way. I go, Trump's going to win. By the time I got home, like at 830, I was like, Trump is going to win. I don't know how they're pulling this off, but Trump is going to win. And I remember standing in our living room and I just said, this is going to be an interesting four years. <laughs> I think it's just started to get interesting because it was so uninteresting when it was just anger and spit and and bad I words. Was, I've been shocked by so many things. The the Charlottesville thing, equal on, on both sides, good people on both sides. Uh, I was like, this has got to be the end of this motherfucker. <laughs> this has got to be peel away some of these Bucky, idiots are like this no, guy. Dude. Nothing. Teflon. Teflon, Teflon like a motherfucker. You don't respect that guy. Gotti didn't have shit d on Trump. Dude, do you not I respect did. that at least? That the guy is Teflon. He's at 40% numbers. He said they're good Ku Klux Klan members. Uh, he said... I'm sure. Let's just go over the highlights. It's crazy. Oh, it is. Any one of us who said these things would be fired from our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he just keeps rolling. The Jews love me. I remember he said the Jews love him. The Jews, the Jews, the Jews love, love me. me. He said that as the president of the United States at the presidential podium. He said the Jews love me. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Because I'm good with the money. They love me because I'm good with the money. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. And this is the same people. This is the craziest thing in the world. Dude, some of the people voted for Obama last time. How the fuck could you vote for Barack Obama? 
Obama <laughs> and then become a Trump supporter. <laughs> oh, a, no. That just shows you how fucking crazy America is. There's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> no, build cellars, build bombs. <laughs> it's time to build bomb shelters and get the wheat. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, like we all we all love Obama's elegance and and he's just so eloquent and whatever. Can you imagine going? Yeah, I just like that Obama. He's so elegant. I like this Trump it's guy because he's, he's what? They're similar, and you know, <laughs> usually I go. They couldn't be more dissimilar. No, they're kind of the same, and the Jew, <laughs> I hear the Jews love the Trump. So <laughs> the Jews didn't like Obama. <laughs> That's why I, I was kind of on the outside of the Obama camp because, you know, whatever the uh, Jews say, I'm right behind them. Let's leave it at that. America. Good night, America. Don't die, America. Sweet dreams. Don't die. Sleep well. Good God in heaven. I'd get high too. <laughs> hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888 595 0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.